Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Actually, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I nearly forgot what I called it there. <laughs> I just noticed that little bit of hesitancy. Um, I am, oh God, I'm delighted to be back and to be chatting and speaking to everybody. And today I have with me two beautiful guests who I've known Sarah for a long time. Um, and Helen is new to me, but during our little preamble, she told me she went to university in Edinburgh and she loves Edinburgh and she loves Scotland. So I've decided she's now a BFF. That's it. <laughs> Uh, when I hear that kind of chat. Now, the reason for having both of these beautiful souls on the podcast is because they have recently written a book. And I am so keen for you all to hear about this book because fundamentally, to me, it's a game changer because it helps us all find the words, the feeling, and the practicality of being the psycho-spiritual beings that we are and helps us unfold that in a very visible way. So Helen Emery and Sarah Priestley, welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what I'd love you to do is, because there's two of you, if I could just ask you, Helen, can you start? And then Sarah, can you just tell people who you are, what you do, where you're from, etc., and then we'll get into the book. Yeah, cool. So um, as you said, Helen Amory, I live near Loughborough now, um, so come right down to the middle of England, <laughs> possibly the furthest I could be from Scotland and the, and the sea, I miss the sea. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I spend my time working with individuals and increasingly with organisations just now as well, actually, in all of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but I think increasingly, like you've just said about that psycho-spiritual, so important for me that that holding of both of those things. So my background was coming through HR and then coming through psychology-based coaching. So I kind of had all the psychological stuff before, then discovered the spiritual stuff and have gone deeply into the spiritual stuff. But now it feels like really both are coming back to be held and included. And um, yeah, so that's that's how I spend most of my time as well as with a couple of kids who are currently 15 and 13. So yeah, plenty to keep us busy. Well, that's lovely. And I love when people introduce themselves because if you'd asked me to do that, I would have forgotten half of it <laughs> and not got that lovely feeling behind it, Helen, of your background. So thank you for sharing that so eloquently. Sarah. Oh, well, um, I guess the funny thing is, other than the Edinburgh connection, I grew up in Loughborough, which is kind of an odd thing. So Helen actually spent some of her corporate career working with one of the people I spent 11 years of schooling with um, and is still in contact with now. So <laughs> bizarre um, overlaps. Yeah. Um, which is, is kind of funny. But so I came through a corporate consulting career as well. And my stepping stone into this was bodywork, massage. I, um, I was trained by and then worked for the Scottish massage schools in Edinburgh and Falkirk. I um, taught Pilates in down in Stockbridge in Edinburgh. And um I I guess that for me, that was where I started to see that a lot of people really weren't very happy and nothing about their life pointed to why they weren't happy. And I think that's why I was very open when I kind of came across this whole through principles, non-duality arena sideways, it kind of caught my attention. And I, I did literally come sideways, not expecting it. Um, so now I live just outside London, which is crazy, busy, chaotic place, but we live in the countryside. So we've, we've got a little bit of the best of both. And I, I spend most of my time um, rescuing cats and um, writing poetry and that kind of thing. It was beautiful. I've seen lots of pictures of your cats and what they're up to in the adventures. And it's it's lovely. I do I do love a good cat story. <laughs> From Merlin is here. 
it'll probably get bored at a certain point and bite me violently, but he's learning. <laughs> so much to look forward to in this podcast, isn't there? <laughs> Ladies, I said at the beginning of the podcast that um, it's incredibly important to me and on my human journey that I've always spoken about being unashamedly human because for me that's embracing everything, all of me, all the light, all the dark, everything in between, embracing my own psychology but understanding my spiritual nature, the part that we're not really taught about. And I remember years ago, you know, a teacher trying to embarrass me because I wanted to speak about being unashamedly human um, and being told, well, no, that's not what this is about. And I thought, well, if it's not about this, what is it about? You know, what is this journey of life about? And when I realised, Helen and Sarah, that you'd written a book, I was keen to have you on the podcast and then obviously you know, got, got a copy of the book and read it. And honestly, ladies, I have to commend you on writing a book that has so eloquently and succinctly, and I know there's a lot of pages. <laughs> to me, that is still succinctly, it's so clear. That essence of our spiritual nature and our, our, our psychological nature and how that comes together through the lens of non-duality but also psychology and also the principles and also anything else that is out there it's just an awakening of everything that embraces how we can live life and you do give practical examples in there about how we can explore that which so many other books that I've read in recent years haven't touched upon you've just been kind of left to it you know, and, and I'm a great believer. I, I do love a try this, have fun with this, see what goes with this. Because I love the playfulness of life. But I'm also very, very curious about how the hell did you two get together and decide this is what was needed and, and, and bring this all together? And how long did it take? Because I think there's 319 pages. Is that right? There's 80,000 words. <laughs> I don't know who wants to talk about that. Well, Helen should start because because it started with Helen. Oh, yeah, thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, so I've thought about writing various books over the years and lots of them began, but they never really went anywhere. And then it was in just last year, gosh, 2021, um, I had gone through working with a load of different coaches and teachers and had had loads of insights and really initially a, a, quite a big awakening in 2018 and then lots of like you said about the psychological lots of un, undoing unraveling unlearning of some of the psychological baggage that had been collected mm-hmm. from a non-dual grounding so I had loads of great explorations and insights and realizations along that but then I moved to work with a teacher who um he was asking me some questions and he could obviously see I was off in my head talking from ideas talking from concepts and he was like but Helen what do you know for yourself and it was like, oh, oh, I don't know. And I realized how I was really finding it hard to tell the difference between what I knew for myself and what I'd learned from other people. Mm-hmm. So that took me into some um, some of the kind of explorations that we've shared in the book. And which really, along with the work he and I were doing together, really cemented my knowing of that essential nature and the untruth of the of the seeming separate person I'd thought myself to be before and and it, and it really then brought well an idea came really you know we know that insights fresh ideas they come from nowhere right so this from nowhere inverted commas there um so this 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 thought came of this is the book there's a there's a practical book here which is the uh, the culmination and the curation of all the different bits and pieces I'd collected I didn't know at that time Sarah would be involved. So it was kind of like, well, I've collected all these different bits from different people. What if I could put that into, into one book mm-hmm. that other people could then access and kind of make it easy? Like here, you, you can find out for yourself as well. And here's the practical 
yeah, th- th- some real explorations you can do. You don't just have to wait for an insight. You don't just have to hope that one day you'll realise this. You can actually do something very practical to see it for yourself. And each time you you try it, you'll see something more and deeper and fresher. But yeah, here's some practical stuff you can do. So I already had quite a clear idea of um, of what the book was. And then it was just over a year ago, I joined a webinar that Sarah was doing because um, you'd had some time out, hadn't you, Sarah? And you, you came back with these these free seminars for people going, you know, come and find out about the basics of um, of non-duality. So I went to one of them, just kind of like, oh, I wonder what Sarah's up to these days and, and joined. And I was like, oh my God, she's totally talking about the same kind of practical explorations as I want to be talking about in the book. So um, I dropped her a message and said, do you fancy doing this book together? And it was, again, it was one of those moments of, of just insight. Like it felt like the right thing to do to to invite her to that and, and plus with a little bit of doubt afterwards going oh was that the right thing have I done the right thing is it you know as the mind will do but it was absolutely the thing to do because as you've seen in the book Jackie there's there's that synergy of um both of our passions I guess for for that kind of practical exploration and making it real making it normal for everyday people it doesn't have to be some far away fancy spiritual guru thing it's like no 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 it's right here for you every single human right here now um so that was that was really behind it but yeah Sarah do you want to kind of continue this yeah so so it was literally just over a year ago where Helen said I've sort of gathered this stuff and do you want to write this book and I I said yes and then I'm like really you but she said it was a little book (laughs) I did I've actually um, it's 392 pages. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I was well bought in before we realised it definitely wasn't a little book anymore. But it's, um, I guess it's all, it's been a passion of mine for always for like put people back in control. Mm-hmm. I always want to them to be doing the exploring and them to be finding things out. And yeah, giving a framework and some suggestions because you know, you don't know what you don't know, mm. but there's such a tendency for the, like the seeking to turn into the thing, you know, that people are are following a spiritual teacher over and over and over again, which is lovely. But when they're asked a question, they quote their teacher. Mm. And when they, and they don't like, it's not something that's lived for them it's something that they go on a retreat to do and the idea of actually being able to it's such a fantastic idea the actual idea of putting making a book of experiments Mm. so that as a mechanism for that empowering not as a you have to do it this way and in fact I think Helen and I both like through our own explorations we made things up as we went I wonder what if and we pushed the logic and we looked at how it really worked and you know I can remember teaching a webinar about four years ago now and halfway through something with somebody else and halfway through something the guy one of the people said to me oh well is that what you really believe and I was like I had to stop and say oh no you know what I'm repeating something somebody said to me that made a lot of sense but it's not 100% what I believe and it wasn't that it was wrong it just wasn't my words and my way Mm -hmm. and the funny thing about writing this book is we spent a lot of time saying explain that to me to each other Mm -hmm. in notes on the side of a, a document in a in a shared folder but there was never really a point where it was like no that's impossible and there was no there's no real conflict. There was just, explain that to me. Or is there a better way of saying this? Isn't that the same as that? Where are we going to with this? There was, it was all questions for us to say, how do we explain this in a way that flows, that's easy, that's accessible, that says, sure, have your guru or your ashram or your retreats, but just have something that you know is 100% you, 100% yours, and um, yeah, I I think we kind of got there 
Oh, I, I, I know more than you think you got there. You definitely got there, if there is a there. <laughs> definitely have. The pathway seems clearer. You know, and people that I've recommended the book to, that's what I've said to them. This this helps the path become clearer and helps you see that all roads lead to the same thing, but there are different roads. And it's okay to be on different roads and and not to just go, oh, I'm doing three principles. Oh, I'm doing non-duality. Oh, I'm doing, you know, Muji or, 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 you know, I only listen to you know, Jeff Foster or whatever. It's, it's There are numerous teachers out there um, who have set themselves up as teachers and there are numerous teachers out there who don't even know yet that they are teachers. And the beautiful ordinariness of what you're pointing to is what I love. And you mentioned it, Helen, when you said, we want it to be for everybody. Everybody, you know, I mean, you, you live in a country and you live in a world where the average reading age is not much beyond 11 years, 11 years old, the average reading age. There's a lot of books that are written in a way that are difficult for people to understand. So they're not available for the vast number of the population. Mm. And I do believe that the way you guys have written this, it does make it, it does make it available to people. I mean, even ask the question, who are you? I mean, that's a bit of a mind if, you know, it, it, it was like, well, who am I? You know, the other night there, one of my favourite bands is The Cure. And I've, I've followed The Cure since 1978, right? And I was I was laughing with my wee brother. I was like, oh, my God, Derek, that's 44 years we played The Cure. <laughs> and I went to the gig last night, uh, not last night, uh, Sunday night with with my brother and my two uh, two daughters, and I have been so, so just happy since I went to see it. And, and, and the thought popped up for me. It's like, it reminded me of me. And I was laughing. I thought, well, no, it hasn't. It's reminded me of the me that I think I am or the thing that I thought I was. And it just cracked me up. And But it was just that being in life, doing things that I love with the people that I love that lit me up. Mm. And this is what you're pointing to in the book. Who are you? And who are you not? And I love that. And that, exactly that, that everybody has had that experience of walking on air, coming out of a concert, or of falling in love, or of my eldest niece cried when she got her first hairdryer. Absolute tears of joy for this rose gold hairdryer. Um, But everybody has had those experiences it's not something that's in some promised future it's it's present and it's real and all we have to do is explain that feeling a little bit more to make it something that can be more present and more real in Mm. terms of how it's experienced Mm. yeah I feel that in terms of the um the inclusion of life again so I think, and, and I know I went through a phase of of almost dismissing and yeah, yeah, ignoring some experiences like, oh, that doesn't that doesn't really matter or it's not relevant or oh, I don't need to pay attention to that. That's just that's just thinking, or it's you know, it just got rejected. Yeah. And then to be allowed almost to be given permission and and through these explorations, that's the invitation to see that it is all included. And, the, and then that's the aliveness. Yeah, then that's the just the delight in the delightful moments and the tears with the very sad moments without the barriers or boundaries of what's allowed or what's not allowed or what's acceptable and, and what does the spiritual teacher say and should I be having this emotional reaction to this thing or is this in some way wrong? You know, all that stuff that can... I know that some of the people I've worked with have had that experience of feeling like they were somehow failing at the spiritual journey because their minds hadn't gone quiet or because... Yeah, am I allowed to enjoy this thing? Is that, you know, is that not spiritual? <laughs> Should I be upset by this thing? Is that not spiritual? You know, we can get ourselves in a real tangle. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, another hope with this book is it brings that, in knowing that ground of our being, it brings that inclusion of all of it and, and the love and the, the delight of all of it. I love that. I, I, I love what you're both saying there and is that, 
life is a journey and to deny ourselves parts of our own human journey is to me it's harmful mm. this is what I've seen over the years you know sort of in my many years of, of searching and seeking and with my clients as well when you dismiss something as all thought you're bypassing, you're spiritually bypassing your human experience, you know, and, and, and a lot of clients, probably the same as you guys, when you get them in front of you, they're like, oh, but, but you, you won't want to hear my story. You won't want to hear what's going on. I'm like, bring it all, bring it all, because there's so much information in the story that you're going to tell me. And I will honor that story by holding that space for you. While you hear yourself say what you're meant to say and the hope that you might hear yourself too. Mm. And this book helps people do that. I mean, there's there's, there's a quote at the beginning of the book that, that I just, I, I love. Um, and, and it's talking about how will we get there? You know, so at the beginning of the book, you're telling people a bit about yourself, a bit about the book and how we're going to go through the book. So you're setting the stage, you're setting the foundation, you're giving people the roadmap. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is what you can expect. And you say, how will we get there? And then you use a quote by the Buddha. And it says here, believe nothing, no matter where you read it or who said it, no matter if I have said it, unless it agrees with your own reason and your own common sense. And it's just, I, I love the words common sense because it's, <laughs> all thrown that out the window so so tell me a bit more about that and you're laying out of how will we get there because it feels so inclusive and so loving and so kind the way you're setting this out mm. can I start Sarah with because it's, yeah. it's making me think of um one of the readers who read it before we published um was concerned that we were going to force her to have a certain kind of journey. Uh, that somehow, by us saying we have the map, it was predetermining the journey she would take. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and and really, I think that's what you're picking up on there. That yeah, we we have the map, and and we're confident this is a useful map. This is a this is a well worn path. We've we've just brought it into the modern language and put it in a in a like you said before, succinct 400 words, <laughs> 400 pages rather of book. But the, the key for us is that that groundwork that we lay at the beginning is essential to having a great journey and that the journey you go on will be your own journey. Like there's no, nobody else can give that to you. Nobody else can make you have a certain journey. And, and so I think that's really what we wanted to achieve with that beginning was to, to lay that ground in that way that honoured both it's like yeah there's a map and you're going to have your own journey um and and yeah kind of I guess that Buddha's point you know trust your own trust your own experience that's all we've ever got is our own mm -hmm. our own experience our own perspective yeah and sorry so what did you say yeah no and I was just going to add that I think that's why we start very early on talking about like different different types of experience the direct experience and just helping people actually realize that the the most direct experience, just like their their own deep sense of self, is so overlooked. And that direct experience isn't what's going on around me in the world and what I think about it. So I think that when we were setting that out, as well as sort of like just the map of the order we were doing things and why we're doing it in this slightly more modern order, and why we've we've got the three parts and the different types of experience, it was very, very important to give people that sort of understanding of, of the tools of exploration so that they they could take ownership right from the very beginning. And that's where the introspection, self-reflection, it's what some people do in meditation, and the, which is very common in spiritual circles. A lot of people talk about that, you know, oh, you fall back into wisdom, there's a feeling you're looking for. So we put a little bit maybe more bones on that. And then the other side, the actual living life, that this isn't a new profession unless it happens to, you know, bite you and keep you. It, it's a, it is an exploration that puts you back into life. Mm -hmm. But in the middle is this bridge of logic that says, well, if that's true, 
how does it work in my life? If this is true, how does it show up? And logic has always been kind of important to me. Even, even I did an IT master's a long, long time ago and logic programming, I just, despite the fact that the class was at 9am on a Wednesday and I always pulled an all-nighter on a Tuesday and I always fell asleep, I was, it's just logic makes so much sense to me because it stops us being victims of dogma. Yeah. Even if the dogma is grounded in something really, really valid and truthful, mm-hmm. when it becomes dogma, it, it stops being valid and truthful and starts to demand obedience. And we want people to be questioning us. I mean, the book group, the first book group who worked through the first draft with us, they were questioning us. They were sending little messages saying they thought they might hate us this week. Um, dropping out and coming back normally within a few hours. Um, A lot of telling us everything they knew at the beginning and just seeing it collapsing over time. So some of what we wrote in that section was actually a reflection of what we saw in people's journeys. So we weren't just projecting our idea of of what it's going to look like. We We were responding to how real people in real lives and real jobs were reacting that's fascinating because I looked at who was in your book group when you did this and we're not talking about people who have no experience of this journey you're talking about seasoned veterans of the soul searching journey who are coaching other people so to hear you say that they have fallen out of their own preconceived ideas that they didn't even know were preconceived ideas whilst you went through that with them and that's the key isn't it it's being able to 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 look at this book and and to me you kind of you hold your reader all the way through it you're constantly reminding them of I know you might think this but that is just conditioning preconceived ideas what if you were to look at this from a different perspective what if you were to see this differently so there's there's this gorgeous of playfulness of curiosity what if and, and I love that. I use that a lot in my own coaching because people come with such entrenched ideas, beliefs and feelings, and they don't even know that they're imprisoned by their own thoughts because they don't see that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, Jackie. And it's actually, it resonates with what a lot of people have said who've read it around that feeling of being held, that feeling of being walked alongside through it Um, and also back to the original point about you're going to have your own unique journey people really feeling like there's enough space in it for them to bring their own journey to it Um, you said before about there being a simplicity to the words and a clarity and it's and and so people seem to be experiencing that as as really helpful to then have their own journey with it because we are not giving them you know we're not putting us in it we're not putting our ideas or our preferences or our opinions. It's no, here's the, yeah, here's the journey. We'll walk with you, but you have your, your own experience of it. Yeah. And remember as well, like I'm, Helen had her corporate career in HR. I was in consulting and then in, in IT running support teams. Then I was teaching and Helen was coaching and I have a teaching qualification and Helen has coaching qualifications and so when we came to this we weren't coming from a academic standpoint even though you know we've got academia behind us we were coming from a working with people working with people who are coaching hundreds of people and running successful businesses coaching with people who are just struggling in their relationship like it wasn't it wasn't born in a like a forensic lab it was born out of of working at the coalface that is gorgeous (laughs) working at the coalface because we've all got dirty faces and we don't know our faces are dirty until somebody invites us to see ourselves and see who we believe that we think we are you know, the chapter one kind of, I loved the way chapter one started after you held my hand and told me how we were going to be doing this. 
in chapter one, it was basically, well, who are you? <laughs> and I'm just like, who am I? And then obviously you've got a gorgeous wee quote there from, from Rupert Spira. And it's like, tell me who you are without telling me your past. Wow. Wow. All I could come up with was I am. <laughs> that was all I had. When I stripped everything away, not even thinking about the future, I was just like, well, I am. And I thought, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always had this thing, you know, when people say to me, you know, if I'm speaking in a webinar or doing something, and people say, can you send me your bio? And I'm like, do I really have to do that? It's just a pile of crap. You know, it's just labels and, you know, qualifications that, that mean nothing to me. My husband has all these qualifications up on the wall. I don't. I don't care. I just, I don't care. It's, it, you know, for some people that's important. For me, it's not. It doesn't define who I am because I don't know who I am from moment to moment. And I don't, thankfully, give myself any 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 bother about that anymore. And and this is the this is the promise of, of what you've written here. It's kind of to be able to enjoy your life without the preconceived ideas, without the projected ideas, but just to sit in the here and now and see what comes up, see the appearances, see how they make you feel, notice the information in that, and then mm. do what you're meant to do with it as and when it happens. Mm. Yeah, and, and I hear how then that includes both of yours and your husband's experiences. It's like in, in knowing all that, in seeing all that, let's see what life wants to say through Jackie and through her husband. And, oh, through Jackie, it seems to not care about certificates and qualifications right now. Who knows? It could change. No. And through your husband, it's different. It's like, okay, cool. Like there's no, uh, um, yeah, that, that, that's a place where we've placed so much interest back to what Sarah was saying about the levels of experience from conceptual to raw to direct most of us have spent <clears throat> our lives in that conceptual experience of the world and the objects and going, oh, certificates, yeah, qualifications, oh, that's all what it's about. Mm-hmm. So whereas obviously in the book, we're flipping that and we're showing how all that conceptual stuff, all the, all the objects, all the thoughts, the feelings, the body, they're all secondary to this essential nature. And then it's, it, that's just a place of ease because then it's flowing in its rightful order of being first then the stuff, then the content, mm-hmm. and then and then that then it just yeah it flows from there. And there's an ease, isn't there? There's an ease of flowing. You know, I'm going to say inverted commas the real world. Okay, there's the the world out there of people who maybe don't understand this stuff at the level that we're speaking about it. And we have to play in that world because that's the world where you get a job and you need certificates and all of these things. But being able to see it for what it is without getting terribly hung up on it. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's a massive shift in perspective because it, it sounds so simple and so basic. You say, well, I am. That's what I know. Mm-hmm like and so what almost but it's such the logic takes us into the implications and that's such a massive shift because it's it's pointing us away from doing things to secure ourselves doing things to make ourselves happy acquiring things looking for things to make us feel like ourselves, and it turns us on a path towards doing things as an expression of who we are Mm-hmm. So the joy inspires the action as opposed to the search for joy motivating the action. And it's such a subtle change, but it's so important. And if that was if that was the only thing somebody got, that that's it. They don't need any of the words. They don't need any of the concepts. Just that they start with who they are and then live it, and live it engaged. And that doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. For one person, that will be living really quietly at home with a dog. And for another person, it will be setting up some global activism campaign and everything in between. And I think we've been as careful as we possibly can to say, what you do with this is yours, your unique expression, one common core, your unique expression. And how often do people get encouraged to simply be who they want to be in each and every moment? Mm. 
without yeah. guilt, without shame, just be. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we've all come through that conditioning, haven't we? Of there's a right way to be, a right person to be, a right way to behave, a right job to do. And then you'll be loved. Then you'll be happy. Then you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we're really flipping that that narrative. Yeah. It's really curious to me, you know, sort of reading, um, reading your book written by two females. There's a very, very different feeling that comes from it. A lot of, I mean, not not all of them, but there's a lot of books written by men in the duality, non-duality field and the three principles field and the spiritual field. And there's something about the patriarchy in there that just turns me off. When you were writing your book, and maybe I'm being a wee bit controversial here, was there something driving you from the feminine that you felt that you had to share in this way to help more people understand? Yeah, so not certainly not consciously. Uh, my hunch is that collectively the feminine is coming forward. And yeah, it has been primarily masculine for the last hundred-ish years. I was very aware that most of the quotes that we've included are from men because they've been the predominant teachers. Yeah. Um, we we tried to bring in women when we could. I, I was mindful of that, that if we can, mm-hmm. if we can have women, female quotes, then great. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's been predominantly male. And I think it's... Uh, I think non-duality tends to attract the masculine energy, not men, but the masculine energy. Um, and, in, and, in, and it has a usefulness. You know, we could say that, that logic has a, has a masculine aspect to it. It is useful. But I, th- I think if, if anything, what I'd hope is what this book provides is a balance between that feminine and masculine. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, people have said it, you can feel a love through it. You can feel that, you know, it's, it's like, you can feel that it's born of that non-dual essence. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I'd hope that it does both. It brings that balance of both with it, that it's, it's absolutely born of love. And it brings that, um, yeah, that, that really solid grounding that the, that the, that the logic can provide, that the masculine can provide that again, which is what people have said, you've read it. It's like, Oh, I am allowed to bring my mind to this. I'm allowed to use my logic. Oh, I now feel much more sure footed in, in what I've kind of been knowing somewhere is true and I've felt it in my experience, but now to really know it for definite is, is making all the difference. Mm-hmm. So I think it is, it's bringing that to me anyway, it's bringing that balance of both. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, Sarah, of that yeah. feminine yeah. masculine. Yeah. I was just going to say that the, like that patriarchal model is very much stepping aside from just gender roles it's telling you what to do and how to do it it's telling you what you have to believe to be okay and the matriarchal model has obviously given us a lot of the nurturing influences and so on but I think that Helen's right that we we've sort of said well if we find the balance the balance is the the balance between the masculine energies and the feminine energies and the blending of them. But we're distinctly moving away from that. We're the teachers with access to truth and you are our subjects in any way, shape or form. And so when, when you said the patriarchal models, that's what I think of nothing, nothing to do with just men, although men have often been in those roles, Mm -hmm. because I was also thinking a lot of the books that women write either tend to the very floaty spiritual, or they step again into that same strong energy of instruction and this isn't a book of instruction. This is just like a, I don't know, like a doorway. That's mm-hmm. all it is. And so, yeah, it's, I think we had a very strong feeling from the very beginning that we weren't telling people what to think, what to feel and what to believe. And we wanted to create a space where it's safe to argue with it, mm-hmm. safe to say, yeah, but, 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 
but no, that can't be true. Mm-hmm. And for people to fall out with the material and fall back in with it and to change all the words so it makes sense for them. And that is, I think, that's that new molded, melded, molded model of that's a step beyond all of the old models. But we did notice, we did notice, obviously, as we were coming into reviews and things, that it was because so many of our quotes were from men because they were the men who had the quotes that fitted what we were doing and we brought in as many female voices as we could. We were very keen to include female voices in our reviews because there's a lot, there are a lot of good female teachers and a lot of them are still less less involved in promotion mm-hmm. much more getting on with what they're doing in their own arena and so we we did want to bring in some of those voices when we we looked at the people who were reviewing what we'd written mm-hmm. so yeah thank you from both of you that, that that's fantastic explanation and was my feeling when when you were talking the word that kept coming to me Helen was love and this book has been written from essence. It's very obvious it's been written from essence. And essence is love. Mm. And that's what I can feel coming through it from both of you. Um, who should read this book? Well, obviously everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess... For me, always with this exploration, it's what you're drawn to. So I've found that along my journey, the next right thing has appeared, including if the mind's argued, going, really? Are you sure this is the next thing? Mm-hmm. It's always been provided step by step by step. And so I would invite people to, if they're listening to this, the books clearly come into their world. If the books gets recommended, you know, it, these are all signs to me when something wants to be seen by us. It's like it comes up going, hello, hello, look at me, read me, watch me, whatever the thing is. So if somebody if it come if it comes into your life, if you're drawn to it, then absolutely go for it. Um, I think what we found is that because as, as well as that original book group, we had a, some independent readers as well. Um, so we have had a huge spread of people from those who know nothing about any of these explorations to those who are very seasoned and and everybody of course has a unique experience I think in some ways those who are very deeply in it and those who know nothing about it are in some ways in a stronger position to connect with it um the ones who we've found have battled with it more are the ones who have more ideas about how they think it already is um so that doesn't make it wrong for them to read it just means they might have to be ready to put down more stuff and to come with more of an open openness and that curiosity to see something fresh that perhaps they haven't realized, like we've said before, they haven't realized they've collected an idea that they didn't, they don't actually know for themselves. So, so really, really it is for everyone. Um, yeah. If your heart's drawn to it, then it's definitely for you. Yeah. It's, um, I was going to say that I'd hopefully it's really obvious that, but I don't think it is always obvious because I see in some of the social media groups, people will say, oh, my my friend feels desperate. Which teacher is going to or which book should I give them? And so when somebody's in a crisis, they should be talking to a crisis specialist. It doesn't mean the book isn't for them. It means deal with the crisis first. The book is not here to get somebody out of a mental health crisis, although often it does by accident you know it is questioning who you are it is questioning your beliefs and rules that you've lived your life by so we do say in a crisis speak to a specialist in that field but beyond that and that that's what made me think is one of my one of my friends who reviewed the book has the sort of group where people are constantly asking for which books should I recommend to my friend who has eczema and which book should I recommend like completely random sets of criteria and he said to me, there's not really space in this field for another book. It's all been said, but you you, you did help me back in the beginning, so I, I'll read it for you. And then about two hours later, he's like, I was wrong. There is space. 
this is this is a space I didn't even know existed and so yeah I, th- I think that Helen's vision and what we've delivered of of something just a bit new and that doesn't mean that the old books aren't valid this beautiful stuff been written over centuries or well, thousands of years millennia in this field beautiful beautiful things and all we've said is look at the essence of these spiritual religious philosophical psychological traditions are these basic questions and if you adopt the tools to explore them for yourself you can live all of it whichever way makes sense to you in your religion in your work in your family um without needing to add any more doctrine or creed on top of it you can tell I've got a theology degree I keep using (laughs) these words but it's so it's so insidious that idea that somebody else knows better than me about who I really am somebody else knows better than me about how I should live my life that it's so easy in that vulnerability to latch onto somebody else's model, somebody else's categorization, somebody else's ultimate answer to everything. And it's sort of, I can even feel it myself sometimes. It's like, I just want there to be an easy answer. But the easy answer is now do this, isn't now do this. The easy answer is like, Settle right back into your heart, center yourself, see what's really coming up, and then respond. Because if it was a crisis, you'd be behaving automatically. So it's not. So there's always time for that second of what is it that's been triggered? And what has just been triggered might be. I'm looking at some really bad behavior and I'm going to do something about it. Or what's been triggered is, you know what? That person was wearing the perfume that my old school teacher who was mean to me wore. And that's why I don't, and everything in between. And so this, this is definitely not a pointer towards bypassing of any sort. This is a pointer to getting right back into it, but just with a different perspective. Wow. Why would you want to awaken? And you guys see, the benefits of joining you in this adventure are huge. Awakening means coming to a stable base of reliable happiness and navigating life with more ease, grace and flow. And the reason this reliable happiness, ease, grace and flow has eluded you before now is because you've been taught to acquire these feelings and experiences by doing something on the outside. You've been taught to get the next job, buy the next gadget, go for a nice meal or a holiday, work with a coach, buy a self-help book, eat some chocolate, go for a run, cuddle your pet, get some acupuncture, go shopping, do yoga. Now there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with any of these activities in and out of themselves. But have you noticed that none of them have ever provided reliable happiness, ease, grace, or flow? Ladies, thank you so much for joining me on the Unashamedly Human podcast. The book we are talking about is called The Complete Book of Awakening by Sarah Priestley and Helen Emery. And it's available on all the good book retailers. And on the show notes, I will put a link to The Thoughtful Raven, uh, where I am informed that you'll be able to buy the book um, from these suppliers I am also delighted to announce that both Sarah and Helen will be joining me in my yearly programme called Out with the Old, In with the New. We will be doing this over two weekends in January to raise funds for food banks and charities that support those who are less well off than ourselves. So again, ladies, congratulations on writing a book where I felt held. I felt loved, I felt safe to explore my own humanity through my spiritual nature and my own psychology. And it did lead me to some very interesting places in my own journey of reparenting myself at this point in my life, which was fascinating. And to be able to do that, feeling safe and feeling grounded 
rather than feeling kind of off my balance as um, most women going through menopause feel all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you uh, for my heart. Thank you for being guests. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you both again very soon. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. Do you have any last thoughts you want to leave with, with the listeners? I really liked hearing that passage read back to us. <laughs> I would just like to say I mean you said Jackie already it feels like this book's written with love to me this whole this whole process has been absolutely guided from start to finish um even the fact that the number three became a, a symbol of the love of this book so with me beginning the writing on the 3rd of January this year we published on the 3rd of November at 3 p.m. on purpose because by that point we realised three was significant to this book. It's got three parts to it. Um, I'm sure there were like loads of other threes, Sarah, weren't there, that we discovered along the way. But it's just, um, yeah, to me, it is, it is a book that has come through from, from our spiritual essence. And, and like you just said, Sarah, you know, we, we hear the words or read the words and go, wow, did we write that? Because it was a flow. It, was a, it just had to come out, didn't it? It had to come through. So, yes, I do hope everyone loves reading it the same as you have, Jackie. And the third person in the book is the reader because it's it's an active thing. It, it's not a sit, sit back and read. It's questions that you kind of can't help actually asking yourself. So there's that's the that's the third in that sense. It's it's not just us, and we were conscious all the way through of of holding that space for each reader whoever they are showing up as whatever human they are and not denying any of it the trinity the trinity wonderful wonderful that also happens to be my house number also happens to be the number of children i have also happens to be the way that i put things on a, a mantelpiece that it has to be balanced it has to be the three i come from three myself <laughs> So you're talking to the converted, so I get. Yeah. <laughs> okay, ladies, I'm looking forward to seeing you. February when you're coming up for a wee shindig, Sarah. Helen, come up too. We'll all have a wee night out. Of <laughs> my loves, thank you again from the bottom of my heart, and um, I wish you every success with this book. Thank you, Jackie. Could be larger than